And tonight I want to begin a series of sermons or studies on spiritual gifts for a spiritual body. And this will be a kind of an overview tonight. It will be uh, pretty didactic, so you'll want to make, take some notes perhaps. And uh, the next few weeks we'll be talking about those various gifts that God has given to the body and how they're recognized and how they're exercised within the body. Our text tonight is chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. So if you have a New Testament, you'd like to look to that. I'll read verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills, just according to His sovereign choice. When Jesus was alive on earth, of course, He, he um, had all of the gifts of the Spirit. He manifested all of the gifts. Wherever you look in any kind of list or category of the gifts of the Spirit, you can recognize and know that Jesus possessed each one of them. And so when men saw Jesus, they saw the body of Christ, the Son of God, and they saw Him manifesting spiritual gifts. I've just read one of those lists. Jesus possessed those gifts. And when He was crucified for our sins and was resurrected from the grave and ascended triumphantly to heaven, He left on earth the church the body of Christ, His body on earth. And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and came to indwell the believer in the church age and to indwell the church, He gave to the believer spiritual gifts. And it's a, it's a marvelous thing when you think about it that when all of us as a body of Christ, the church, begin to manifest spiritual, our spiritual gifts, discover and manifest our spiritual gifts, 
What the world sees then is the body of Christ again on earth. Now, I don't think I ever really grasped that until one year at Glorietta. I was sitting there kind of wondering, you know, how is this a vacation? When I come to have to listen to preaching all the time, and I, you know, and old John Bassanio was up there preaching on the Spirit, on the Holy Spirit and the church. And all of a sudden, something he said in that sermon just, just turned on a light for me. And to recognize, to believe, to understand that when this body, when this church, this group of people that are called out by God in this particular place in Durant, America, when we discover and manifest the spiritual gifts that God in the Holy Spirit has given us and manifested and, and has endowed us with, then we, as we begin to manifest those gifts, are identified and recognized as the body of Jesus on earth. And it's a thrilling and marvelous thing. And so it's just not necessary, it's just not unimportant, it's absolutely necessary to really, when you really want or if you really desire to have a dynamic church, it is absolutely essential that we come to, a, to another emphasis or understanding or to give another lesson or treatment on the gifts of the Holy Spirit with the hope that somehow we grasp those, the, the concepts and the idea and begin to manifest spirit, our spiritual gift. Now, I want to give, just uh, answer some questions that are on the worksheet, some questions that have to do with spiritual gifts. First question, what is a spiritual gift? Now, if you have a New American Standard translation, you'll see that the word gifts in verse 1 of chapter 12 is in italics. And perhaps it's in italics in the King James. I didn't take time to look at that. Some are shaking your head up and down that it is. Why is that word gifts in italics in the first verse? It is in italics because that word is not in the original manuscripts. It is not in the original text. But it was added by the translators of the original text to the verse in order to give clarity to its meaning. But when you come down to verse 4, you're going to see the word gifts again, but it is not in italics. It is actually in the original manuscript. And it is a different, it's a different idea from verse 1. So that verse 1 should read like this. Now with regard to spiritual things, spiritual matters, with regard to spiritual, literally, with regard to spiritual things, spiritual matters, I would not have you be unaware or ignorant. Let me tell you something, folks. Let me say parenthetically that it is, you know, to be a church, it is absolutely essential that we understand spiritual matters spiritual things, things that pertain to the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, to what the Holy Spirit is about. To be spiritual, you have to understand what the Holy Spirit is about. So he said, I want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual things. And I think that what has happened 
uh, perhaps in evangelical Christianity uh, in, in general and in Baptist churches in particular, we're absolutely scared to death of the Holy Spirit. And in our fear of the Holy Spirit, we have neglected Him and His ministry and thus the church has become just a dead institution in many cases. Now for the church to be the church, we have to recognize and relate to the Holy Spirit who is the other Jesus. Now I would not have you be ignorant of spiritual things. But then he says, but these gifts, and the word is charismata, charismaton is the literal word there, charismata. And at the heart of, the, of charismata, that word, is the word grace, charis in the Greek. Now grace is... Uh, understood as our, I, we, we, we give a definition of grace as unmerited favor. I mean, that was the first definition I ever learned of grace, why it's unmerited favor. So that this charismata, this spiritual gift, is a gift that God gives us that we cannot deserve or repay. It is a grace gift. It is not earned now sometimes I think in our misuse of spiritual gifts, we make spiritual gifts like badges, you know, merit badges. And we wear them as adornments. You know, if you reach this level of spirituality, you get this superior gift. That's kind of the way we present spiritual gifts. Listen, this is a charismata. It's a grace gift. It's something God bestows out of grace upon us, and it cannot be earned, deserved, or repaid. So what is a spiritual gift? Here it is. This is the definition. It is an ability or skill, an ability or skill that enables the recipient to perform a function in the body with ease, pleasure, and success. That's the best definition there is of spiritual gifts. It is an ability or skill given by God, that's understood as the charismata, given by God, whereby the recipient can perform a function in the body, notice, in the body, with ease. It's easy for him to do that. Now I think we ask people to do things in the church that are absolutely agonizing for those people. And we get them on these guilt trips and get them to do certain things and it's just labor for them. If you have this spiritual gift and you're performing that gift, what you're doing in the body is with ease and you enjoy it. It's exciting. It's a pleasure and there is tremendous success. God honors it and blesses it and there is result from it. Question number two. Is there a difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts? Now a guy said to me just recently, he said, when you get the gift of the Holy Spirit, you'll speak in tongues. Listen, I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the gift of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts are not the same. Now if you, have, if you look back in your New Testament to John 14, look at verse 16. Verse, chapter 14, verse 16 reads like this. And I will ask the Father, 
And he will give you another helper, one of the, another of the same kind. He's saying, there's going to be another one come as the, that's the same as me, of the same kind as I am. Another of the same kind. That he may be with you forever. Now, that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, there's going, to, there's going to be another one, another kind of helper that's just like I am, and He's going to come, He's going to indwell you forever. He's never going to leave. All right, now, with your New Testament, finger still on the place in 1 Corinthians, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, beginning at verse 37. Now, Peter's just preached this message at Pentecost and it says in verse 7 37 now when they heard this sermon they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles brethren what shall we do and Peter said to them repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now he said that when you repent of your sin and are baptized in the name of Jesus, you then will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right? So that the gift of the Holy Spirit is what Jesus promised in, in John 16. And the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us when we repent of our sins and by faith are saved. But now in this chapter of the text, He is giving varieties, gifts in variety, gifts in variety. Now this Holy Spirit gift comes at conversion. The variety of gifts He's talking about are is a, is a totally different thing from the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, question three. Who gives and who receives spiritual gifts? All right, the answer to the first question, who gives, is found in verse 8 of our text. The answer is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God gives spiritual gifts. Now, who receives spiritual gifts? Now, when you were single, you had a lot of things. You probably had a lot of fun, you know, for one thing, or freedom. <laughs> but when you, um, when you got married, the things that you possessed in your singleness, you brought to your marriage. You brought your possessions. You brought your energies, your time, your love, you brought that over from singleness to marriage so that when you married, all that you had came with you. Now, when the Holy Spirit moved into your life, now I get excited when I get to thinking about this. Uh, I used to hear Manuel Scott, black preacher, when he get excited, He'd hit himself in the head, you know, and just slap himself. Well, I don't want to go there. He had on suspenders. He'd pull those suspenders way out like this, go all the way up as far as he could, and he'd let them go. Pow! You know, it was a, he just got all, and I, you know, I wish I had on a pair of suspenders because I really get excited when I think of what happens when we're saved. 
When the Holy Spirit moves into your life, He brings everything with Him. Everything that God possesses, He brings with Him. All that God is and all that God has, the Holy Spirit brings with Him when He moves into your life. And this charismata, this spiritual gift He brings with Him as He moves in to indwell you. So that when you receive Jesus, you receive the other Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who comes to indwell you, and He brings everything that heaven has, all that God possesses, He brings with Him. And just brings it in His bags and takes up residence in your life. Oh, what a thrill. I mean, how can we sit here, you know, like dumb, dead logs, you know, when, when something like that's happening? I mean, how can we come to church and just sit? How can we get up in the morning and go about our business, you know, as though, you know, we're defeated? We have the living God indwelling us, and we have indwelling us one who possesses all that God has. Mercy. Number four, does the Bible give us a list of spiritual gifts? The Bible does. As a matter of fact, on the back, you'll see it. You can check it out. I have to take my word for it. I will say four things in answer, uh, three things with regard to this question. Number one, okay, this is A, as long as you do not manifest your spiritual gift, this body is affected. As long as you do not manifest your spiritual gift, this body is affected. This body of believers cannot be as strong as it could be if you manifested your spiritual gift. This body cannot be what God wants it to be, regardless of how much money it possesses and time and all of that, and, and, and talents, if you do not manifest your spiritual gift. I mean, we can have folks that just you know, have all the, the charisma and, the, and the, uh, all the stuff it takes to be, you know, the number, uh, you know, the uh, young, best young man in America. You can have a house full of them, church house full of them, but if the folks are not manifesting the spiritual gift, we can't be what God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Okay. Two. In the second list, they are listed in order of importance. See this second list? The spiritual gifts are listed in order of importance. Now look at what it, verse 28 of chapter 12 says. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. In order of importance. Has to be that way. It's the way it's written. Now, you say, does that mean then if I don't have one of those gifts that's up in the top that I'm of less importance? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Let me show you an illustration. I've got a car out there that I'm driving, a little brown topaz. Now, somebody put that car together. I've never met the guy that put it together or whoever, you know, guys or women or whatever. But that came off an assembly line where some people put that car together. I got up and started down to church this morning. That thing's got 24,000 miles on it. 
but the, but it would shift out of low gear. It's an automatic transmission. You know, it just rev up, but it wouldn't shift automatically into the next gear. I thought, oh my goodness, what's happening here? I just spent $525 on my son's transmission. The transmission demon must be after me, you know, and in my cars, whatever. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm getting around to the point. Now, if, if, if there's a guy that built this car, or these guys that built that car, they're important to that car. But let me tell you what, the guy that I'm going to take that car to tomorrow to fix it is pretty important. Now, one of these guys was one of those skilled workers that designed that automobile and put it together. The other guy is going to be a guy that, that you, you know, it just kind of works from eight to five. It keeps it running, you see. Now, it's not going to be possible for me to say which one is most important. There's a guy who came, built your house. He laid a foundation. What kind of house would you have without a foundation? And that foundation layer, you know, there's old Benny back, a cement man. He's pretty important. What about that guy that puts that roof on there? See, that roofer. How in the world are you going to say one is more important than the other? See, now there's some of you tonight who have spiritual gifts in the top of this category, some of you down at the lower end of the category perhaps, but who's going to say that you are less important? Not me and not God. In the function of the church. Third thing I want to say, hang in here, is that in this, these lists, certain gifts appear last. A, you know, in the first list, tongues appears last. In the second list, tongues appears sixth out of the seventh. Now, I am never going to deny to anybody the gift of tongues. You'll never hear me say that's not a legitimate gift in the 20th century because I frankly believe it is. But I do not believe it is in the list of the importance. Okay, number five. Is it true that every member of Christ's body has a spiritual gift? Yes, it is. Verse 7, look at that. But to each one is given the manifestation of the, gift, of the gift for the common good. Each one. Verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He chooses, as He wills. Each one, each believer. Look at verse um, uh, 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. That means that everybody in the church has a spiritual gift or gifts. Now it doesn't guarantee that, that the church you know, is just going to run smoothly if everybody manifests their gift. No, that's not always true. As a matter of fact, it is, all, it is obvious that a church can be manifesting spiritual gifts and have all kinds of problems at the same time. You, you can read that historically and you can read it biblically. It doesn't guarantee that if a person manifests spiritual gifts that everything is going to go on great. Because I'm absolutely convinced some of the, uh, some of the most carnal people I know are having tremendous success in the church because they manifest their spiritual gift. That's almost a contradiction and a paradox, but it's true. I know some evangelists uh, who, who are absolutely having phenomenal success 
in evangelism who are carnal men. Now, I'm not going to call in names and shoot out a little gossip, but, but they're absolutely carnal men, and they're tremendously successful in evangelism. And I've wondered, you know, what, what is happening there? How does God bless them? I'm, I'm, I know what's happening. They are manifesting their spiritual gift. And if you manifest your spiritual gift, you're going to have success in the manifestation of that. Almost a paradox, but it's true. Okay, number seven, or number six. Can a spiritual gift ever be lost? No. A person can become carnal, etc., and still manifest his gift. I want you to get this down. The gift is more related to the coming in of Christ than of the Spirit-filled life. The gift is more related to the coming in of, of Christ, to the coming in of the Holy Spirit than it is to the Spirit's control. In fact, Romans chapter 11, verse 28 and 9 says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. You, they do not, he didn't call them back. The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. If you have a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit gave you in sovereign will when you were saved, you have that spiritual gift to the rest of your days. Okay, number seven. How do we discover which spiritual gift we have? Well, I want to say four or five things, but I'm just going to mention. I know the time's gone. I've got one minute. Be informed. You need to get informed. You need to learn about it. That's what we're trying to do here in this lesson tonight and in, in the lessons that follow. You need to learn about this. I, I, if I stood at the back of this auditorium tonight and asked you, what is your spiritual gift? Wouldn't be five people here probably say, this is my spiritual gift, nail it off. How are we going to manifest the body of Christ if we don't even know what our spiritual gift is? You know, that's amazing how we can do it. We don't even know what it is. Be informed. Learn about it. Second, be open. Be open to the spiritual gift, to, to what it is. Whatever God has gifted me, man, I want it. Right? Number three, be available. Be available to the Holy Spirit of God. Be available to the church. Be available to the body. Four, be sensitive. Be sensitive to what you feel to be your spiritual gift. I mean, be sensitive to what God is telling you and, and, and the abilities that you have. Be, be sensitive to what people are saying to you about how you're effective, etc. And then five, be sensible. I mean, use common sense. One last question. Suppose I do not exercise my spiritual gift. If you do not exercise your spiritual gift, you have just moved into the realm of disobedience. For Romans 12, 6 says, And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. I mean, it's a command of God. And if you do not exercise your spiritual gift, you are living in sin. You are disobeying God. For, him, for he who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Now, in our, in our effort 
to get back, I think, in my effort, to get back to some understanding and grasp of fundamental Christian truth. I think that we have to begin with our relationship as Christians to the Holy Spirit. That's where it all happens. I mean, if God doesn't bless what we do, I mean, it's not worth doing anyway. And if the Holy Spirit is not breathing on it, then, then it doesn't have any effect or power. So if we're going to seek to live under the Holy Spirit's control and we live in disobedience to spiritual gifts, we can't be under His control. For the very first step in coming under the control of the Holy Spirit is up-to-date obedience. Now, if you do not know what your spiritual gift is, then you need to begin to find out that spiritual gift and begin to manifest it in the body of Christ. Are you living in disobedience? Let's pray together. Father, it's amazing, it's just mind-boggling when we consider what the church is and what, what we are to be, how you've equipped and blessed and gifted the church to be what you want it to be. And Lord, there is a burning desire in our hearts today to be the church that Jesus would want, to be the New Testament church, to be the body of Christ in the world, in the community. Oh, there is a burning desire to be that. So I pray, oh God, that there would be in us tonight as a church in one, in unity, in oneness, that insatiable desire, insatiable appetite, thirst to be the church that Jesus left on earth, manifesting gifts that build and edify the body and make its impact on its world. And Lord, let it be that this church will be one that when the world looks at us, they say, there walks the body of Christ. There walks Jesus on earth. And thus, change our world, for it's too late. Bless us now, Father, in this moment of invitation to get your will accomplished and done in Jesus' name. Now there are three invitations. I know that this kind of lesson does not lend to evangelistic appeal. But the first invitation tonight is for you to be saved. Now I'm sure that the Holy Spirit can talk a lot better than I can. <laughs> and He perhaps has spoken to your heart while I've been talking about matters that relate to Christianity and Christians. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about your lost need and your need to be saved. And so we want to give you an invitation to come and accept Christ, accept Jesus as your personal Savior, to trust Jesus alone for salvation, to allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and live. The second invitation is for those who may want to unite with the church. God has given you a spiritual gift, and this church is incomplete without you if God wants you here to complete it. Maybe you're a college student. You're so valuable to us. We want you to come and place your life here if God has so impressed your heart. 
or maybe to say to, to the, for others of us who just need to say, I just need to get back to the main business of being a Christian, finding out what God's will is for my life and begin to live that will out daily. That's called rededication of life. Whatever God leads you to do, would you do it right now while we stand? And we'll sing a song we know. You just come.